Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your fine podcasts. So uh, excited to continue the uh, music episodes, the music-centric ones. You know, kind of talked about wanting to do more of these since the focus is so heavily on, like, the animation, cartoon aspect. Uh, music is a part, and sometimes it feels like it's a bit of an afterthought, but uh, excited to do these episodes where we talk more prominently about music and how it's influenced us and the impact it had on us and shit like that. So it's always really fun to have people in that are like into a band, and it's, it's actually a lot of opportunities, you know, so many bands that people are into, and then just do what you normally do with friends anyway and just like bullshit and talk about music anyway. So it's fun, but. Got a series regular Casey McElroy in the house. What up, boy? Hey, man. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. And then Chase Kirby. Uh, What's up? What's up? Chase Kirby in the heezy. <laughs> what up, boy? <laughs> Yo. And so, uh, yeah, this is one. Um, I talked about doing a few different 90s bands. Um, I couldn't really, like, place one for a while. And I was just like, man, let's just start out and jump out like hardcore, like jump right in and do Oasis. Cause I thought that would be a great one to do as like a first band from like that era. That's and so, first uh, choice. yeah, mm-hmm. so it was cool to, f- <laughs> cool to find a couple guys that I knew were like into it. And so it's funny just from like the natural progression of talking to people. You're like, Oh shit, you like that band? Like, okay, I'm, I'm filing that away for whenever I do that episode. So <laughs> I will text you <laughs> yeah. in a week. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, but real quick, you guys are both musicians in your own ride. Why don't you talk a little bit about like, a you know, kind of your experience touring and where people can maybe find some of your music or where they can follow you on social and shit like that, too. Uh, I played uh, in a band for about 10 years called The Broken Okies. Uh, we were a uh, red dirt roots rock band that played uh, all over the place, really anywhere that would have us. Um, as far as our music, you can find it. Um, I think there's some stuff on YouTube uh, if you search Broken Okies. Um, but... Um, yeah, just, you know, did that for a long, long time. And it was very, uh, very fulfilling and uh, not a bad way at all to spend my 20s. Yeah, shit's fun, man. Gigging around and yeah. you talked about doing shows like all over, yeah. kind of regionally, right? Yeah, we, we played shows in uh, Kansas, Arkansas, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, obviously. Um, basically anywhere that would have us and give us a tab. Yeah, you always remind me of places like <laughs> randomly when we talk. I think there was ones like the Blue Door. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we, we Blue Door was one. We played the Blue Door. Salty we, Dog is that the other one? We played the Wormy Dog. Wormy Dog. Um, <laughs> Salty Dog's the beer. Willie's up in Stillwater. Uh, may it rest in peace. Um, George's Majestic Lounge in um, yeah, Fayetteville. Um, a, a, a bunch of places, and also yeah. a bunch of places that uh, are not. Uh, Worth naming, but you know, <laughs> just just the pl- kind with cages on the window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Play Taco Bell, nice. It was, uh, it, you know, but but fun places. Uh, but occasionally, you know, uh, scary times. But in retrospect, very very fun times. We there's a lot of I have a lot of memories, uh, hazy memories for sure, but good memories nonetheless. Those are the best ones for sure. I can't I can't forget to shout out our guys at Vanessa House. Yes. Providing us the 401ks. Yes. Clinky. Ooh. <laughs> nice little sound bite. That's ASMR right there. <laughs> yeah, very good. The yeah. more very of these we drink, the funnier the episode gets. So we'll shout out to Vanessa House and tell them to keep the yes. beer flowing like wine. Keeping our funny bone lubricated. 
So shout out to them. Yes, of course. But yeah, what about you, Chase? I know you've uh, you know you've been in a few bands and everything too, and you're kind of did like the local gig thing, regional yeah. thing, and on the Voice, right? You're on the mm-hmm. Voice for a little while. Yeah, so. uh, season nine. So I started I started playing in bands when I was like 15. Started touring at 19. Um, was in a few different bands. Was a touring guitarist for like a band from Utah at 21, and um, then came back home, did my own band here, and then we did some more touring, uh, and then. Left that band, uh, started another band. Um, didn't do didn't do as much touring with that band. We put out three three EPs in like a year and a half. That was kind of more of a music music focused band. Um, and then went solo. Uh, was on the Voice in what year is it? So that was 2015. <laughs> oh, God. I forget um, too sometimes. Don't worry. So yeah, uh, basically just been been playing playing shows since I was 15, bars since I was 17, and uh, now I'm the director of a program at the Arts Council, and uh, so I get to work with artists and musicians like every day. I basically, essentially, I book 280 shows a year, uh, and yeah, I I think at one point in time, I was in like six bands at the same time. God so damn. It was, that, was, that was the smartest, dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> But the shit's fun, like no, it's like it's yeah. cool. But I was also like, it was my last semester of college, and so I was like sixteen hours in school, thirty-five hours a week working, and then God six damn. bands. Shit. So everyone from like Graham Colton, Bo Jennings and the Tigers, Pretty Boy, Daniel Walter, Sherry Chamberlain, um, and then my bands on top of that. So it's just like, yeah, and that well, it's cool. Like especially when you know it's something is like starts as a passion, but for you specifically is like translated into like what you do as like a day job. That's really dope. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think it's just being able to like understand, uh, being able to understand artists and the mentality and, 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 but appreciate all of the things that no one sees because you've already been through it. Yeah, you've you been know, there, it, yeah. you know, like it kind of primed you for this job because yeah. like you, you kind of got the pieces of what the job ended up being. Yeah. Accurately, so you know, it's dope, it is funny though. Like hearing, you know, like, kids kids now in bands that are like oh you know the, the struggle and this and that yeah. it's like it's two like, months in and i can't i haven't made a like, ton of bro, money we yet. had to like, make bro. we had to make our our flyers for shows in microsoft paint kiss my ass <laughs> like i used to when i was my freshman year of college my first semester i had this japanese roommate and he had only been here for a few months and so there was like a oh hard God. language barrier right that's hilarious his name was masumi hayashi I remember this on uh, shout out to boys podcast real quick. Friends yeah. of the show had them on and Chase has actually been on their show, but I remember you talking about him on their, on their episode. I have to, we'll have to put that a link to that episode in the yeah. show notes. Cause that sh- that episode's hilarious. Dude, that was a fun episode. But yeah. Shout out to the Japanese roommate, man. Locking Dude, it yeah. down. But how yeah, did he, boom. how did he play into that? Well, like, so I didn't, I mean, we, we lived in Murdaw hall at UCO. The dirty Murdy. Dude, we called it murder hall. That stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was you didn't go in the basement at night because that stuff was scary. Dude, it is shiesty, bro. It was freaky, right? Like I didn't want to be there in the daytime. Felt like I was like in the I hotel am, of the right? shining. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh uh-uh. uh. And so <laughs> I mean, he was he was a really sweet guy, but like I mean, it wasn't like I was just gonna hang out in this like really tiny dorm room with there's no privacy in those dorm rooms. You know what I mean? Um and so I spent a lot of time at our practice space in Bethany. And what I would do is we pl- I mean, we were playing two shows a week. And this was at the blue note here when a guy named Carl owned it and there was no stage, there was just like a step and it was still a beer bar back then. And so, uh, I would, I would always 
print flyers and our practice space at the time was in Bethany. So I would go flyer S I'd go up to the practice space, write songs, hang out, whatever, try to drink whatever beer was left there because <laughs> I couldn't buy it myself. And then, uh, I would flyer S and U's parking lot, OC's parking lot and use hit all the spots, lot. hit all the spots. I'd pass out like 1200 flyers a week. Like, God just, damn, it's like straight up grassroots shit. Oh, dude. Used to go, how you got to do it. Used to go stand outside shows. I'd get on OklahomaRock.com. I'd find out what show, what bands were coming through, which ones were like, well, maybe that audience would like us. And I'd go stand outside that show. That's what you got to do, man. Rain, Put in that footwork. Rain, snow, shine. Didn't matter. I remember shit. standing outside the Diamond Ballroom once. It was 20 oh degrees. And those Shout assholes, out to the Diamond, baby. Dude, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let us in to like just, the show was almost over and it was 20 degrees outside. They wouldn't let us just stand right inside Damn. the door to like <laughs> No warm. chill at so the we, Diamond. Dude, we stood outside, froze our ass off. People came out. We'd hand them flyers be like, what do you sound like? We'd be like, did you like the show you just saw? And they'd be like, yeah. Love that band and be like, then you'll like us. Bam. And that's how it works. Did you like hit their cars and shit like that? Mm-hmm. Put it under their windshield oh, wipers? We'd get under the windshield wipers and then we'd hit Classic. them in person. Fucking canvassing, bro. Dude, yeah. we... But I mean, that shit's like grassroots like that. Like, that's well, how that shit happens. what's funny is in hindsight, that band that I was in that really, like, well, we, we used to do that in two different bands. The first one, though, was not a good band, but we pulled like 400 people to a show at the Green Door once. And I was like, that's what amazing. Yeah, it was insane. So it's like, you know, you just, you get out, you talk about it, and you make connections with people instead of just making a Facebook event, and it turns out it works better. I know. Yes. So true. That's Crazy. true. And, then you, and even if you wanted to do that shit, that wasn't really an option. Mm-hmm. Like, Facebook events. Like, that's a... No, honestly, event. that's how I keep up with a lot of shit now, but, like, mm-hmm. it back just then, back like, then. yeah. Facebook, that was 2000. So my freshman year of college was 2003. I don't know when they started doing, like, the events thing, but... It wasn't then. Yeah. My, <laughs> He's like, my, I know it wasn't then. MySpace was still like the jam. Like well, you, you weren't supposed to bulletin, bro. You were on MySpace. Post you a bulletin about your show. And Zanga then... had just burned out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Zanga. And, and the people on Facebook events, you're going to reach the people who already know about you. So Yeah, that's true. They're going to, odds are they're already privy to you and have decided whether they like you or not. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you got you to gotta get that in is people's true. faces. 90% and, of them are friends that are like, Say they're going, and then they give you some bullshit excuse. <laughs> yes, my car broke yes. down again. Goddamn! I remember our how first... many times is your grandma gonna die? <laughs> yeah, our first show, at the Wormy die? Dog. <laughs> it was like packed. You know, friends, family, everyone at the Wormy Dog. Our first show, and then the second Wormy Dog show, there were there were less people, and then the third show, the shine had worn off completely, and <laughs> and it lost gotta, its luster. And you gotta <laughs> you gotta pull people in. You gotta pound the pavement and you gotta you know you gotta grind yeah for sure, you gotta, yeah. You gotta oh, promote dude, you gotta do it yeah well, i mean and it's just like one of those things like i thought it'd be cool to bring you guys on just because that's how bands start i know <coughs> i know that's how oasis started like oh, yeah. those guys mm-hmm. were straight up fucking grassroots guys mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in manchester yeah just so like playing in like shitty clubs gigging and that out. Was before liam started singing yeah yeah so yeah just talking about that like can you kind of talk about your intro to the band? Like, I know how I found the band and, like, how I, like, I first, like, was aware of them, basically. It's because I uh, was a product of all the shit that my brothers listened to. Mm-hmm. And so my brother was, like, into Oasis somehow, like, had found out about them. And then I saw, like, one of their music videos on a channel called The Box. <laughs> channel 19. It was, like, MTV for poor kids is what I call it. <laughs> and I think they had, like, Wonderwall or something on there. But it was, like, one of their music videos. And it was, like, oh, this band's kind of cool. And so uh, that was kind of my intro, but like 
can you ex- can you just talk about like how you found the band and like what was like your entry point was like a specific song or did you find a music video like me like how did you first hear about them uh for me i remember exactly where i was the first time i heard uh an oasis song it was um tell a little story here basically it was i want to say summer of um maybe like 97 and it was you know that in like in summertime where the sun's going down but it's summer so it's still pretty high in the sky just long shadows and just hazy and yeah man you know live for that shit yeah that's like nostalgia right there those long summer days in the 90s and i'm in the back seat of my uh dad's uh i want to say it was a gmc jimmy (laughs) and we're driving down the highway and it was either 35 or like 40 44 maybe and we're listening to KJ 103. I'm in the back seat with a Goosebumps book reading that. <laughs> um, God damn. Yeah, yeah, you are. I know exactly when this was. No, I, big, I, big shout out to R.L. Stein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I remember it because I, I heard uh, Champagne Supernova on the radio. And I had no idea who it was. I, I just knew that the there was this melodic quality Real to the serene. song did it have like that water running yeah it it is that in the radio sort of, edit it's got a no that's the actual, no, the actual okay yeah. i didn't know if it was like they changed it for the radio and it or had something. this very melodic verse but then the guitars came in and it had this very heavy uh chorus and bridge and i remember just the lyrics really striking me because it seemed like a song about school um, Although, the, like the, you said, it was summertime, right? Yeah. And so, like, there's that line in the song, like, people believe yes. that they're gonna get away from <laughs> the summer. It's a, it's a very like summer song. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, the, the guitar. It was anthemic. Like that song is very big. Oh yeah. 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 And there's that part where the, the verse basically of, um, where were you while we, where were you while we were getting high, which. I took to mean like cool kids or whatever, smoking weed in the bathroom. And then that line of slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball. A, it's a very lyrically uh, interesting line, but it also is the perfect way to describe everybody did it in school. You weren't allowed to run in the halls, right? So you would do that thing where you would basically speed walk walk still walking but walk as fast as you could and that line slowly walking down the hall in my life faster than a cannonball just sort of reminded me of that walk you do down the hall of school when you're late you know what nowadays nowadays i see barbara and linda doing that on sunday mornings at north park mall with their uh (laughs) mall walkers club But, their steps but it's in. that, it's that sort of steps. thing. You feel like <laughs> fill you, up my ring. You see people walking like that, and it's like somebody's like tugging on their waist. That They're is trying. So true. Oh yeah. So it was. That's uh, man. I can't believe I've never thought of that that exact same way. Yeah, that is so, so true. I I heard it. And I was like, this oh. is awesome. And then it wasn't until maybe like f- six years later, and when I was like late high school. I figured out that it was Oasis because I had heard of Wonderwall and I had been, I'd familiarized myself with 
who that band was. And I bought, I remember I went to um, Best Buy over by Quail Springs Mall and bought the CD for What's the Story, Morning Glory. Mm-hmm. And blared that thing on the way home. And uh, yeah, and after that, I was, I was an Oasis fan. So man, that's I was insane. I was late that's to cool, the party, man. but uh, still no, that's dope. Still rocked out at it. Yeah, that is dope. It's just funny, like I, I don't know. It's like sometimes with bands like that, it's like not cool to like their big songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like one of those things, like especially if it's a band that you love, because I get that a lot with like Kings of Leon. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, Dave when Matthews I, band. When sure. I talk to people about Kings of Leon, they're like, "I love Sex on Fire," and I'm like. Yeah. That's a good song, I guess. Like, if that's what if that's the bridge that brings you over to the Kings right. of Leon land, then that's fine. Well, it's kind of those with those the big the those big singles. Like, I I'm convinced. Like, the number one reason we don't like them is because they're just overplayed. Right? Yeah, but true. It's the the fact that you know millions and millions and millions of people like those songs is a testament to how good that song is. Written. That is true. You know, that is and true, and like a you, good song, you hear them get so. to where they like they don't even want to play it, and it's like, man, that's so crazy to me to think like, because if it's you have like that egocentrism of it, you oh, know what I mean? You, sure. You're like, if I played that song, but it's like, dude, you're not playing that shit day in and day out. Yeah. But think about like, think about like Keith Richards playing No Satisfaction. I know, dude. The, yeah. He wrote that lick when he was like a teenager, and it's the simplest, like <laughs> like single note, single string yeah. guitar line. And they still play that. And he's still cashing checks off of that, yeah. my guy. Dude makes a million a show. And the funny thing to what you were talking about. Is that what about, they make? Oh, yeah. He and, he and Mick fuck. do. fuck. He and Mick make them. From, from what I understand, they make a million Shit. <laughs> Bill Wyman, not so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Watts, not so much. Sorry, bro. Well, you're a bass player. They're still getting theirs. But. <laughs> uh, but like you were talking about, of like having to play a song over and over, there's some songs that, it's, it's funny because there's some songs that you write and you write them and maybe you're not a big fan of them, oh, but they resonate. Done that a million times. Yeah, and so you're kind of stuck with this thing. Oh, yeah. You've yeah. created this monster of, I really don't like this song, but I got to play it. There's because just something in it, the, yeah. You, I got to give something to the crowd. I, I can imagine at this point, Old Crow Medicine Show hates... Fucking hates playing wagon wheel. I, I'm guessing because it's been bastardized now. But it's one no, of those I'm, I'm things kidding. that I'm, I'm kidding, Darius. <laughs> <laughs> All I want to lose. But if if they don't play that song, <laughs> if they don't play that, they don't play that song. People are pissed. Yeah. Same thing with Darius Rucker. If he doesn't play Tinder Chris Bacon Cheddar Ranch, people are mad. <laughs> God damn, that's a deep pool. I don't even know what you're talking At about. Tinder Chris Bacon Cheddar Ranch. It was a, uh, here's a, here's a little music shit. lesson for you kids. Uh, Darius Rucker back in the early two thousands did a Burger King commercial Holy for shit. the tender crisp bacon cheddar ranch to the tune I of think... rock candy mountain. Oh shit. Check I think the, I might remember that. Yeah. Check the, uh, Oh brother. Where in the old rock candy mountain. In the big rock candy mountain. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you never change your socks <laughs> and the little spools of alcohol come dripping down the rocks. Yeah. It's a great song. That is classic. I remember hearing that like in the room, <laughs> the song "The Room." They, one of the characters sings that. No, but it's funny. Like, and it's there's like the things that stick out to you with songs like that. Like you're talking about Champagne Supernova. 
I don't know why I said it like that, but supernova. supernova. Because you have to say oh, their lyrics with that beta. thick Manchester accent. But yeah, supernova. Yeah. And that, that's there the thing is. that always stuck out to me about that song. Oh, yeah. Champagne supernova. I just covered that song at one of my really close friends' wedding as, the last, as the last song, and it brought the house down. That's a fucking good song, man. It's a great song. It's a fucking amazing song. That whole, that whole record is unfuckwithable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. What about you, man? What was like your uh, what was your intro to the band? Like, how did you first like become aware of them and like My, be like, this is a band I like? Man. Uh, so I'm almost 34, and my I I was getting into Oasis in real time. But so when I was younger, my brother, my older brother, and I like did not get along. And I feel like there's there's kind of two paths, um, two majority paths that 90s kids would take. You either liked Oasis or you were like obsessed with like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you sure. went one way or you went the other. Went Brit Pop or Grunge. Right. Yeah. You really did. Or yeah. like like the Brit Pop or like Jim Blossoms route. Yeah. And I love I went the Brit Pop Jim Blossoms route. Uh the middle ground was Weezer, blue album. Oh yeah. Uh and Pinkerton, because that came <laughs> out. Oh the nerds. That's, that's for the nerds. Like yeah. That. But um <laughs> so What's the Story Morning Glory came out in ninety five, so I was in fifth grade when it came out. And uh I hated Nirvana as a kid, but Mainly, I think, because my brother liked him. Yeah, so just it, like the natural contrarian in you. Like, oh, you like that? Then fuck you. It was a spiteful thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like cool, in a whatever, band out of spite. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember hearing Wonderball on the radio, and it had just come out. And I was at my, my, my dad at the time lived in um, this duplex over by the old John Marshall High School. And we didn't have cable. We just had regular TV and radio and that was kind of the only entertainment that I had there and since my mom was a custodial parent I didn't like have like a lot of toys and shit to play with and I didn't have a lot of friends in the neighborhood so I would listen to the radio a lot and that sort of thing and and I just I thought Wonderwall was just like such a rad um rad song and then at my mom's house like we had cable and so MTV was part of that but she wouldn't allow me to watch MTV uh Really? Well, my mom's really cool now, but probably because liquid was, television shit like that. Well, she probably. was conservative as hell, and so oh, gotcha. I mean, I got my all for one cassette taken away because of the song Skills. Oh my god! <laughs> Shout out to All for One though, real quick. Yeah, we'll have you like, back on the All for One episode, Chase. Kid you, kid you not? I had my cassette. <laughs> I, you know what? And to this day, you know what? I'm gonna put a message in my phone right now, a little reminder. I want my fucking cassette back. <laughs> Mom never gave me that cassette back. I'm, uh, so, a, I'm an adult now. I want that back. Damn, you're 34 years old. Can I please <laughs> listen to the song Skills on cassette? <laughs> She's still staunch in her stance. No. She's like, my word is my bond. Damn, yeah. Mom, okay. Chase I mean, Duncan. I admire you for that, but shit, loosen up a little bit here. Come on. Uh, so I got I got into Oasis then, and then when I got to high school, uh, my best friend in high school is a guy named Craig Bennett, who is the Oasis aficionado uh, Literally knows more about that band than anyone I know. He was like, we got into, we were both in marching band together and he was kind of my ride to school all the time. And, and, uh, so my freshman year, he's like, yeah, I like Oasis. I was like, holy shit, I like Oasis. So then we got into it even more. Uh, but I remember I bought, uh, Be Here Now, the album after What's the Story Morning Glory. I bought that record, uh, and used to study to it in middle school. Wow. I was like a, uh, except I bought that one on CD. Oh, shit. Do you kids remember what CDs are? Yeah. Not, a, not an MP3. It's a CD. Um, Man. T- the tiny records. I might as well just yeah. be like, I bought that shit on 8-track. 
Yeah, that's definitely that's played it in my essentially what you're saying, like for kids now. Yeah, but I so yeah, so I used to study. Uh, I used to study uh, for middle school, like do my homework and shit, listening to. Uh, I remember my mom bought me this Iowa single disc boombox, and that was like <laughs> a really big deal. She got she got shit. me one for Christmas, and so I used to put that record on just fucking repeat, just wear the fuck out. Oh my god, yeah, it was it, that and and Dave Matthews Crash. Oh my God! Oh yeah, you'd mentioned Dave Matthews Which, earlier. You know what? You know what? I Dave Matthews on the electric on that song, right? Did not on play, Crash. On Crash? Is it on no. Crash? Oh no, I'm thinking of it was, um, the, it was the record after the Space um, Between is what I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, one, yeah, yeah. He started Space Between. It. So that whole he played album. a baritone yeah. guitar on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I was really into Dave Matthews Crash, but I was I was really into Oasis Be Here Now, which to me is like. I mean, always. It's like your she brush your teeth to that shit. That's Dude, like your go to. I, I, they're one of those bands that really did put out three records in a row that you just can't fuck with. Damn, the tr- the three peat. Oh, you said two. Oh, okay. You got a hot take on that. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I. We'll get we'll get well, into definitely that. Maybe, we'll get def- into that. Definitely maybe I think is an amazing debut. Uh, obviously, what's the story? Morning Glory was like the magnum opus. You think, arguably? Yeah. I, I on a success level, I think Be Here Now is better, but oh okay, but that's just me. Yeah, that's yeah. also, I mean, you know, it's like when it comes to Radiohead, it's like yeah, that's true. Kid A is my favorite record, but yeah, yeah. OK Computer is the one that everybody bows down to at three true. o'clock on the same time every day. <laughs> you know, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to honor OK Computer and Paranoid Android. Peace be unto you. And I'm just like everything. <laughs> Shut up. Let down is an underrated gem on the second side. (laughs) Heresy. (laughs) You like amnesiac more? You asshole. (laughs) (laughs) We call those heathens. Although I do like Knives Out and You and Who's Army. But this isn't a Radiohead podcast. So it's not, but we'll have to. That one's in the works. That one's in the works. Yeah, it is now. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, now that y'all said that. No, I mean, that's just like, that's the funny thing about music is that. We have just such drastically different intros into the same exact band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so dope when, like, you know, our, so many people can be into something, like, that's a mutual thing with, like, a friend of theirs or someone that they may not even know. And it's just crazy, like, time and time again, music proves that it brings people together more than it pulls them apart. Yes. Oh, for sure. And that's yes. what I love. Like, it's fucking crazy. Like, I'm just thinking about the gamut of episodes that I've, I have planned for this, like, series that we're doing about music. And I'm like, this is the fucking most drastic, like, we go from one genre to another mm-hmm. to another. And I'm like, this is insane that I'm continually finding people that are like, you know, yeah, dude, I was super into that. And I'm like, really? Like. Because it's that thing of like when you think of it, you know, it go, goes back to that like that that egocentrism thing. You think no one else has had this experience. Like this is me. This is my thing. Yeah. And then whenever you find like you know, you just kind of put it out there, and people are like, "Yeah, dude, like I feel the same way." And you're like, "What? Like that's insane." I've never thought of someone thinking of this in the same way well, as me. It's, it's you know, I mean, music like all art is so subjective, and so. I can hear I can hear a song a million times, and it means it means what it means to me, but not what it means to you or you. Right. You know? Exactly. And that's, and that's a really that's 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 one of the beautiful things about art. Like I can look at a painting hanging on a wall and be like, "This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life," and it brings me to tears. And you can look at it and be like, "I wouldn't set my my drink <laughs> yeah. down on this shit," yeah. or I wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't use wipe this, my ass with that. I wouldn't use this as a fucking coaster, you know? <laughs> like, like damn. But you know, that's. Uh, 
it's a beautiful thing about the subjectivity uh, of yeah. art. Yeah. But the other thing too is if you don't like Oasis, fuck you. Like, well, yeah, and it's like one of those things. <laughs> it's like, really, not, feel, not a single song feel, those guys put out. Like banger after banger, you don't like one of those songs. Like, I do really? feel we have a good consensus going on right here. Just from Chase saying, "Crash" is a fantastic album. Just I, coming well, from yeah. somebody who has a copy of the Lily White Sessions, I'm like. Well, it's just that, okay. like, that natural Dude, thing. That, like, honest to God, Oasis and Dave Matthews is how I learned to play guitar. Holy not shit. Not even kidding. Yeah. I, I used to sit down with that Iowa boombox player and put the Crash record on yeah. and pick it out by ear. I never took mm-hmm. a lesson. God I never damn. did any of that. Oasis nice. was the same way. Yeah. Which, Say is good. Still, which is still why I can't play good lead guitar because no one <laughs> plays the same fucking solo yeah. in every song, but it works. Now, it now, works. Now. Like, come on, bro. It's when all, are you going to use that link every no, time? Number 41, Say this Goodbye, country, Crash. Bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crash used to be my <laughs> back when I was uh, young. Underneath Table of Dreaming, Crash, and between these or uh, before these crowded streets, streets, those three records are incredible. Yes, the <laughs> yes. musicality on it is unreal. <laughs> yes, like any any you might not like it, but you have to respect it because it's so good. Yes, I, I back in the day when I was yeah. like young, doughy eyed teenager, Crash would be my go to song if I was at a house party. And there was a guitar somewhere. And and to this day, my friends give me grief about it. Because it, it just if they saw a guitar and me in the same oh, room, fuck. it'd be like, oh, God, he's getting ready to do it. <laughs> well, you know, the irony of that, though, is... I hate Candy Wonderwall Girl. is the new Crash. Yes. That is true. Which yes. is why it became a meme. Which like, was the anyways, new Stairway to Oh, I was just about to say that. I was like gearing up. I was like, eh, and he Shit said it. you not. I did that fuck. at a show last weekend. Was that the... Oh, the uh, last like, weekend you said? Like... I had to kill time and I was like, no one was paying attention and it was at the cigar lounge and I was just like, anyways, here's Wonderwall. And I <laughs> fucking played it. Now the, now the question is, is did you play the Oasis version or did you play sort of the picky Ryan the Adams? Ryan I was Adams. just going to say that version. I played a hybrid. Oh, okay. Because that song is Play the pick version for the verses. The song is and essentially the... two sections, right? Yes. Because it has the breakdown in the middle where you yeah. hear the drums. And then it kicks back Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. So you'd have Ryan Adams in the first. That's nice. Oh, and then musicality right there. I didn't know if you're doing like the picky thing. dynamics because I'm only playing by myself. Yeah, he's stealing that. Light and shade. I'm stealing that. Well, I didn't know if it was going to be like a picky, like the the alternate version like for the verses and then jump in like the full version for the you know, chorus. You know, truth be told, I could have played either version all the that way That is through, true. But, you know, it's but it's mainly because it was kind of a restaurant bar gig and nobody gave a shit if I was yep. there. Your uh, background yeah. music. That is exactly it's right. about It's <laughs> about entertaining yourself. Playing that same gig this weekend. Yourself. No, playing, it is. Playing the same gig this weekend. Playing the same song again. <laughs> <laughs> Catch same outside, int- how about that? Yeah, same <laughs> intro. Anyways, here's Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're kind of dancing around like the next like thing that I was wanting to talk about, and it's just you know that natural amalgamation of that like the '90s sound. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Guitar you know, rock. Man. Obviously, the band is like has a meteoric rise. They're yes. still relevant today, arguably. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of my the, favorite the things. That, the fact that they're not a band and people still talk about them. Exactly, and I love like there's a channel on YouTube I watch, and it's like all like the shit that Noel Gallagher says about other people. Like people ask him about it is amazing. It is crazy. It's actually called maybe definitely is the name of the channel. (laughs) And, uh, they do all like Noel Gallagher shit. And, uh, I think they're mostly like on in like the Noel camp instead of Liam, but well, we're getting into that in a minute. Liam would just sort of mumble stuff. Noel would straight up tell you it literally would say, man, yeah, 
we're the best band in the world. And if you don't believe it, you can fuck off. That we're is true. The best band in he, the like, world. He like baked it for he sure. Had awesome, they had this awesome uh, interview one time with him in a studio. And and I'll drop some of these quotes later because some of these stories are fucking hilarious. But there was one this one moment where it was like, what do you say to the statement that you you know you tell everyone that you're the best band in the world? And he goes, here's the deal. If you tell everyone that you're the best band in the world, half of them are going to believe you. That's true. And I remember that one. Fucking worked. Yeah. Within a matter of them, within a matter of years of Oasis, just like from from forming to to uh, uh, definitely maybe coming out to I don't know if I don't know if what's the story Morning Glory was out. I think it was. I think it had just dropped. But they're having to get like helicopter flown into Glastonbury because they're so huge. Uh, That's insane. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Two hundred fifty thousand people. Uh, it was Jeez. like the second coming of Zeppelin. Yeah. Holy fuck. They, they yeah. legitimately were the biggest band in the world. Until, well, like, you, they willed it to be. Like, he put it out in the universe, and then this shit happened. Up well, until the Arctic Monkeys, they were just, they were, it, it was just an insane amount of record sales mm-hmm. and hype, and it was it was literally a cultural phenomenon in, in Britain. Oh, yeah. They were the new Beatles. Yes. They were the new I Beatles. I believe that. And they wanted to be. Yeah. Well, like they, they, the they that, stepped up for that. Well, and what I love is how people would be like, Oasis just sounds like the Beatles. And the thing is, they never once dodged that. They would put pictures of John Lennon, like in the Familiar to Millions DVD. If you watch that, when they're at uh, 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 Wembley, if you watch that, <laughs> it's like two sold-out shows at Wembley yeah. in front of like, what, 80,000 people a night? Or something. Turn that light off. Turn that light off. <laughs> there was a, there's a, my favorite scene from that is when Liam Gallagher is like, you know, they had these, they had a screen behind them and then two big screens on the side. And Liam Gallagher was like, can we have some breasts, please, on his screen? <laughs> Come on, get them out for the lads. And That's so, amazing. And so just this this woman just like up on her boyfriend's shoulders, like, and all of a sudden the camera zooms in and, and it's just right on the boobs. Yeah. And it's just on, it's on That's these dope. screens. Like, That's like, and he's yeah. like, but he's just like, can we have some breasts, please, on his screen? And he points over, and then uh, he got what he wanted, I guess. That's amazing. But, um, can you imagine some kid watching that and be like, oh, that's my mom's titties, damn it. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh. Mom, what were you doing back in the 90s? Oh, no, I, I guarantee you today there are some, uh, there's some kids who have, uh, yeah, I can't believe me, mom, you know, can't believe Lee the mom spit, the, spit that. You know, Shag Lame Calica after the She's going to look show. at her kid and be like, it was the 90s. Times are different back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, kid has a unibrow. Like, uh, it might be your daddy. Who's, mom, why is why does dad not have a unibrow? <laughs> not that his grandpa. And mom looks at her and goes, well, son, how many special people change? How many lives are living strange? <laughs> and where were you while we were getting high, bro? That's what I thought. She was getting fucked. Go, go back to your studies. Um, but no, so during that familiar to millions thing, though, they take a picture of John Lennon, like project it right on. So they just like owned it. Yeah. I mean, don't look back in anger starts the exact same way Imagine does for Christ's yeah. sake. I mean, they. Oh, yeah. It does. That is true. Same this, key and everything. This is a band who played and and played badass covers, but played I'm the Walrus, mm-hmm. like just killed it. Yeah. Um, killed it. They that that was one of the. F- that was one of the great things about those guys is people would go, oh, you're just aping off the Beatles. And they'd go, no shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's your point? Yeah. Like, if awesome. you're if you're going to steal from own somebody. Own it, man. Own it. Turns out, turns out, Beatles were a good fucking band. Who knew? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to take from somebody, why not take from 
arguably one of the best bands yeah. of all time. Well, I think like in a way, like you definitely see the influence come through. Like you were talking about, don't look back in anger and everything. Oh, yeah. But they did it in a way where like they shaped it and they made it their own sound though. Oh, for sure. And that's definitely like, like that was the next thing I was wanting to get into was like that sound was like the hugest impact of the 90s, I feel like. So, like, to you, like, you, I mean, we've kind of danced around, like, other, music, like, bands, musicians that were around, that are out around that time. Like, what influence do you think that Oasis had on, like, the way that the music shifted in the 90s? Like, the impact that they had in the 90s? Yeah, what mean, impact do you like, think they had? They were, I mean, I, I guess I would say they were, like, the quintessential. I mean, 90s is really when, like, alternative rock became predominant. And they were the quintessential alternative rock band to me. Um, because it wasn't, like, Britpop. But it was. Yeah. It like wasn't, but it was. It was and well, that it they were more from Britain. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, they had, there's a lot to, there. we could probably do a whole podcast on the Blur versus Oasis yeah. thing, but they really had nothing to do sonically with, with bands like Blur and what would be quintessentially Britpop. They were Britpop in that they were British and they were very popular. Mm -hmm. Um they were Britpop in spite of themselves. They were, they, I think, I think one of the things that made them so famous was the fact that they were kings of do whatever the fuck they want. That is true. Yeah. They were, they embodied a rock and roll attitude. I mean, you know, you read these stories about the crazy shit that Zeppelin used to do and, and the who <laughs> and all this stuff, these crazy like hotel stories and Oasis was doing that. Which oh, also, yeah, they were like I the rock stars of their to, time, for to sure. bite them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I, th I think they, in my opinion, they influenced bands in not sounding like Oasis, but moving away from Oasis. Although, without Oasis, I don't think bands like Jet would exist. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say, like, that, to add, like, I'm a caveat. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because that was exactly what I was going to say, <laughs> is, uh, is, yeah, there, there's echoes especially that first album mm -hmm. uh very there's a lot of echoes of oasis in that first jet album but yeah let me throw a caveat into that kind of the 90s the the impact on the 90s discussion mm -hmm. um during the caveat of like the impact like who they paved the way for essentially so like we'll add that into the discussion but yeah definitely jet was one i, I never thought of before kind of but now second, that you mentioned that i'm like, like fuck second wave of rock and roll that kind of happened in the early 2000s when Oasis had kind of, I mean, they had. You talk about Arctic Monkeys earlier, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I don't think there's been a lot of bands that have outright, kind of directly been influenced by Oasis. I think with the Liam Noel antics, mm -hmm. the the sibling rivalry there, it became it was the thing that drove the band. It was the thing that made the band uh, strive to get as big as they were, but it was also the thing that got tiresome for oh, yeah. the people covering the band. And ultimately it was the oh, Liam and Liam and all are fighting again was the reason for the demise of the yeah. band. But there are, so there hasn't really been a band that I can look, I can think of off the top of my head and go, Oh, that's influenced by Oasis. But you can see echoes and whispers of yeah. bands uh, of Oasis in certain arena rock bands. Mm -hmm. Jet, well, I mean, even, uh, the Kings of is, Leon. Like, if you look at like chord structure, the way they played and stuff, even Coldplay was influenced by Oasis. That's actually what I was getting ready to say. You know? Songs mm. like "Fix You," yeah, uh, very oh, much shit. are sort of from that They're reminiscent of like mm -hmm. uh, Paradise, um, and even even 
Green Day to an extent post American yeah. Idiot. Totally. Things I like 21st Century Breakdown, that big, really any any band that it's you an see anthemic uh, thing. as yeah. these big anthem stadium rock mm-hmm. bands owe a lot to that sort of 10 story tall guitars thing that Oasis did. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's whispers there, but there hasn't been, there hasn't been really a straight up guitar rock band. Yeah. Uh, in a while. There, I think I totally agree. Yeah. With I think that. it, you, I mean, if you look at a lot of like the song structure, the songwriting, well, they it, were, they it was kind of that simple. shift. Yeah, yeah. They purposely, they wanted to exactly. keep song simple. And, that and it, was, it was that kind of shift, too, because it was very introspective. I mean, they had, like, their their songs that were popular and everything, too. But it was, like, you know. They were very m- sincere, too. Yeah. Very earnest in their like, lyrics. Authentic. Oh, yeah. Very simple. Very, it, it's almost sort of a, a, a Bruce Springsteen thing of Noel found very poetic ways to talk about very simple things. Yeah. Being young hoping for something better than what you're what you've got well, you know? and they grew up poor yeah with yeah mother. definitely you know their dad wasn't really in the picture at all uh songs like half the world away yeah talk tonight so yeah so like even hitting on that like so like talk tonight like so when the band did their first appearance in america in california they, yeah they played in la and they all did lines of what they thought were cocaine and they had they'd played in San Francisco and then they were going to LA. And they played in LA. I think they played the Troubadour or something like yes. that. Yes. And they thought they were doing lines of cocaine and it was crystal meth. Holy shit. So the band is out of their mind My high. God. And like every every label is there. Every record exec. <laughs> I mean, the, everyone holy is shit. there because they're like, holy shit, Oasis is gonna be the next yeah, big yeah, thing. Yeah. Which they were. But they all start the songs and each one had a different set list. So they started on the wrong each person started playing the wrong song oh my like, god so noel was so fed up with that that he looked at the manager and was like give me whatever cash you have like give me 600 bucks takes the money goes back to san francisco to where he hangs out with this girl for a few, he's like fuck this i'm done with the band hangs out and this is this is early in the career <laughs> this is this and he's is, like i'm yeah. done with the band and he goes back to san francisco and hangs out with this girl that he had met there and that's what the song talk tonight is about yeah. Holy shit. I he just know he that. literally he literally bails yeah. on the band. Nobody knows where Noel is. This whole They've stress no of sort of everything. The tour manager is like, motherfucker. Everything is like, riding like their career is riding on these shows, these sort of showcase shows. First American tour. Yeah. And, and Noel's just like, fuck it. Pressure gets to Noel and Noel bails and That's yeah. insane. Like I said, that he So he writes Talk Tonight and then which is a fantastic song. Incredible. And what I love about it, that is the fact that Talk Tonight didn't come out until years, and he wrote it then. It didn't come out until years later on the Master Plan, which is nothing but a B-side can you, album. Can you imagine sitting on a song like that for... They set on... Acquiesce ton, one of them. Yeah. Acquiesce, Talk Tonight. Talk Tonight. Um, what was the other big one on that? Uh, Fade Away. Um, Fade Away came out That's on, a definitely maybe session. But there was another one on Master Plan that... Um, I mean, it's on Master Plan. Yeah. Uh, Fade Away is. Well, um, uh, they also did that. That was the. Master Plan, Half the World Away. Was it the Helter Skelter cover was on there? Oh, like yeah. If you haven't heard that, please check that out. Fucking um, Beatles, man. Oasis, and for obvious Fucking reasons, Oasis Beatles. could do a Beatles cover like nobody. Well, that that's one of those bands, it. too, that you're like, eh, I don't really like covers. That, that bastard but child, Oasis, Johnny man. Rotten, and John Lennon bark that Liam had. <laughs> Dude. Um, yeah, it's 
but yeah, I would I would highly recommend. The only person I can think of off the top of my head who has better who has sat on better material would be Springsteen or Prince. Yeah, uh, who just has vaults of stuff that is fantastic. That for some reason. Just never those artists would be like, yeah you know i don't think this really goes with they the theme vibe. of the record exactly like um, if they're doing like a more like a put together piece it's like a concept album or something right, that doesn't quite right. fit something like darkness on that. the edge of town where there were yeah. tons of great songs but bruce was like and eh, it doesn't really go yeah. with the theme of the record so uh yeah i would highly yeah i'm looking at it now and so it's like yeah it's like uh fade away was on that i'm the walrus live stay what? young That's dope. swamp song swamp Dude, yeah. Like, Stay Young is a fantastic tune. I think Half the World Away was on there. Um, I think that's from the Be Here. Stay now. Young is Master Plan, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but even even the Master Plan was like one of their big anthemic mm-hmm. tunes. And it was just, just a very great, British. Quintessentially. <laughs> very it's got that uh sort of uh, that orchestra that very penny lane mm-hmm. sort oh, okay. of orchestration. Um That's funny. Isn't that funny when someone says something and you're like, I know exactly what you're talking about. When he said yeah. Penny Lane, I was like, okay. Very I have a ballpark for that. Very pit pit. <laughs> Cheerio. Yep. It's funny because like hearing that story that I I don't know if I've heard that story that about him like bailing and then hanging out with that chick or whatever, but I saw an interview where Noel was on um Jim Jeffries show, which mm-hmm. I'm a big Jim Jeffries mm-hmm. fan, but He's just kind of roasting Jim Jeffries because he's an Australian guy, you know, but he's like always bitching about America. And uh, (laughs) Noel's like, if I hear one of you, one more fucking foreign person talking about how shitty America is, like, you live here, bro. And Jim Jeffries is like, Noel, you're going to make a really good old guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think, I think that was Noel Gallagher, if I remember right. He's been in, both of those guys have been old. (laughs) Because he's just like old crotchety, like 20 some odd years. It's like the guy, like the old guys in the Muppets or something. Like, they're such a get off my lawn type. They are like just crotchety old guys. Like, if I remember right, that's Noel that he had on where he's just like, dude, you're just like already over it. Like, they're just, they're sort of the prototype for like the Manchester soccer hooligan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Green Street Elite over here. Do you remember that Sasha Baron Cohen movie, The Brothers Grimsby? Yes. That the whole look of that character is Liam Gallagher. I think he based it on Liam, yeah, right? He, he talked about Le- it. Apparently, he's friends with those guys, which makes perfect sense oh, that Sasha Baron Cohen would be friends yeah, with the Gallagher because he's fucking insane. Yeah, they're all lunatics. They really are. Kind of why we love them. <laughs> but also, part of why they lost sort of coverage is people got so tired of the bullshit, of just the sniping. Yeah. Um, well, and I think too, like, you know, it's kind of like. Uh, a band that's that volatile. I mean, that much drugs that's involved. Every, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's stories of them recording an album. There's a studio dog, right? And in the in the studio, they just had this kind of Scarface mound of blow, like, and the dog comes walking in the room, and the dogs, the dogs freaking the fuck out, and the dog's <laughs> nose is covered in white powder. Jesus Christ! And the joke was like, oh yeah, you know, we think that put might have might have snorted, you know, probably about five hundred pounds of. <laughs> Like, Some yayo, and you're sitting there like, "What the shit? You could have killed a fucking dog, man!" Like, <laughs> but they like they can't have grapes. My favorite, my favorite. You Noel think they Gallagher, can have Coke, dude? My favorite Noel Gallagher, because you know, like, be here now. Like that record was written on like a seven day Coke binge. Noel yeah. wrote the whole fucking thing, and it sounds like it too. Yeah, that's why you can barely hear any guitar or any drums on it. It's nothing but guitars. <laughs> yeah, um, because yes. he puts so many guitar tracks on it, but. Those songs uh, collapse under the weight of their ambition. They seriously do, uh, but that's also one of the, one of the reasons why I love it because I feel like <laughs> if if this if the record was mixed better, although it's hard to mix a record like that when you have that many guitars, um, 
Like literally dozens of guitar types. Yeah, on every Fuck. on every song. But the songs themselves, I think, are incredible. Um, I, I know would he, agree if some of them were cut by about three minutes. Yeah. So, so like, do so. you know what I mean? Yeah. Is is like seven. They minutes also had they of, also had the big intro. The thing though that I liked about it though is the fact that that was the first single off the record, and that's the most Oasis bullshit move to do. Is like, <laughs> hey, our first single is going to be a seven minute song. Fuck you, played on the record. I mean, on the radio, it's like that was so Oasis. The radio is like, dude, we can't that play was, this that fucking was, seven that was minute an song. That's an Oasis flex nuts move. You know, <laughs> weird flex, but okay. Although I, I will say, I hope I think I know and uh, don't fade away are yeah. are fantastic, especially don't fade away. Yeah. Uh, so the, so that but that era. So there's this this studio interview with Nolan and they start holding up the records and they're asking him, "What do you think about this one?" And they hold up definitely maybe, and it's like it's pretty much the best debut record that any bands ever <laughs> put out. And they're like, okay, and then they hold up what's the story, Morning Glory, and he's like, well, let's see, um. Let's see, that paid for the house, the car, <laughs> the ring on the wife's finger, um, paid for your paycheck, your paycheck, your paycheck, your paycheck, and your paycheck, uh, kept the economy of England afloat for a while. <laughs> and that's all fucking true. That's, that's what's insane. so funny. And, and he sincerely believes it. There's no oh, posturing. Yeah. It's, it, I saw one interview where he's just like, big dick vibes. that record Dude. came out, I was a millionaire Four times over and holds up four fingers just so you know. Just four times yeah, over. Yeah, this many. You this understand many. what I'm saying? And it's just, the the amount of petty in that band. <laughs> I remember amazing. there was, I want to say it was an MTV Unplugged gig where they were supposed to play uh, Unplugged, the whole band. Yeah. Liam, Every, Liam decided not to show up. Yeah, Liam Bales what? leaves he's, Noel to play the whole thing but by himself. But then shows himself. up. Holy he shows shit. up in the... Oh, he's the like heckling. heckling. He's in the balcony. He's, he's literally like he's on some Muppet shit. Yeah, yes. and he's heckling. Yes. I remember that. And Noel's just like, hey, fuck you kind of thing. Like, Dude, They're like insane. sniping back and forth between the stage and the balcony and Noel's sitting up there, or not Noel, Liam is sitting up there. You can see he's sort of like making jokes and and it's, it's really... It's funny but painful yeah. to watch. Well, Noel still did a great job. I and think. and Noel did oh, do yeah. yeah. But it's yeah, it's just it's one of those things of you. Like, there's what a, a prick. What there's a great a prick. An EP. It's his fucking brother too. Called, like God damn, yeah. dude. Oh, there's an EP called the I think Quibbling Wibbling Rivalry, which is just an EP of them fighting. I th I saw that on YouTube. It was like a thing where like someone put all the audio. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Side A. And they're just literally Noel's like bitching side, at each other. It's like Noel doing the majority of the harassing. And then there's Liam's side, which is the majority of it. And it's That's just hilarious. two blokes from Manchester just taking yeah. the piss out of each other. I was going to say taking the piss, like as they say. 20 minutes on each side. And it's it, that just speaks to the volatileness. Of the band, of <laughs> what other band? You know, there's not an EP. The only of other band that I Jason can think Newstead of, Lars. The only other band it. I can think of that has has like a sibling rival rivalry that like, not even to that degree, but just has one is like the Black Crows. The uh, Robinson yeah. Brothers do not get along half the time. Yeah, I don't know and if I could just, think of one. I can examine. They're like, they're like the American rock version of Oasis. I'd love to see the. <laughs> I'd love to, to see an argument degree. between the Follow Wills. Yeah, Kings of Leon. Oh, well, they fucking hate each other too. I'm pretty yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. Three brothers and a cousin, man. Well, it's like you know they all they all jump up, and that's super ass. anthemic. I mean, that shit. There's a lot of parallels with Oasis. Well, uh, Kings of Leon, I see a lot of 
a lot of uh, echoes of Oasis in. I could see that in certain you know Sex on Fire and Use Somebody. Um, it's like the barrel, not, the big real like. The songs with a lot of space, the really yeah. anthemic ones, and right. the atmospheric mm-hmm. ones. Um, closer. A lot of the ones on Come only, Around Sundown. Yeah. Uh, Pyro. Only by the Night songs, too. Yeah. Um, but there's that, there's that big epicness, but also that volatility of two guys in this band in the middle of a song could start fighting each other in the middle of classic Madison Eagles, Square Garden. am I right? Classic oh, <laughs> <God>. Eagles. <laughs> well, like the, it's just like Glenn Fry it just doesn't. I mean, it can't. I don't know that it holds a candle to Oasis, well, one of, though. One of them was. <laughs> yeah, but you're talking about like your brother, like you kind of not getting along with your brother. But it's like when you think about Oasis, like that's the oh, extreme. That's, that's bro. a different story. Like it's not that I would just like you know excommunicate my brother. Well, you wouldn't. Yeah, you know? but let's. I wanted to definitely like. We've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but just like that Noel versus Liam dynamic, like that's insane to me that it's just like those guys like aren't like give no fucks. They really don't. About the other one, like they're always calling each other cunts and it's just like. I follow them both These guys give no fucks, <laughs> Liam, Liam makes no sense on Twitter 90% of the time. He doesn't make any sense in real life. I don't know that's if true. he knows his ass from a hole in the ground the at only, this point. The only time He's Liam makes sense. Now. Yeah, oh yeah. The only time Liam makes sense is when he's singing Noel's words. Uh, you know wow. what? Judges. That's the yep. yeah. We'll <laughs> yeah. cut that. Isolate that. Isolate that. It's uh, the, It's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that band broke up because I I feel like there is enough just ladness yeah. in those two of them in the two of them that somebody would end up dead. No, you definitely well, they, right. Well, that was like the big yeah. deal. I mean, they're like getting in bar fights with each other. Yeah. Not with other people. So not they like, get, a, not like then, a sibling wrestling, but like literal like, fist fights. They're like literally crushing, glassing each other yeah, with pint glasses. Yeah. like That's fucking crazy. Violent, violent shit. And yeah. and that was, you know, one of the big deals was Noel was the one, like, he was the one that like left everything and said, fuck you, fuck this. And he, I mean, literally said, I don't want my brother, I don't want this kind of person around my kids and my family. That's fucking big, dude. And that's dude. when he was like, that's intense. deuces, I'm out. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that sucks is Dig Out Your Soul, their last record is one of their best ones. It is. It's a real, I was actually, record is incredible. I was actually listening to it on the way over here. It is so good. And that, I was, I, I was not interested in Heathen Chemistry, no, Standing heathen on the chemistry, Shoulder of Giants. Standing on the Shoulder of Giants is where they started kind of getting weird. Heathen yeah. Chemistry, they were just... That was like that borderline, like well, 99, 2000. Yeah. They were reaching. Don't uh, believe the truth. Don't believe the truth was okay. Lila, Lila got me to buy that record. Lila's a dope song. There's, and, there's about three good songs on kind of yeah. each one of those records. And, Although I will say, Standing on the Shoulders of the Giants, uh, Gas Panic is one of my all-time favorite. Oh yeah, tunes. Dude, I love that. It's, it's the way those, that everything kicks in. It's one of those songs where, or it's one of, the, it's one of those bands where after they just they. They shot for the moon and landed amongst the stars, so to speak, on those first two records, in my opinion. Um, the third one sort of crumbled under the weight of its own ambition. The next few after Master Plan were just sort of kind of lost in the wilderness. It was like, what are we going to do to fulfill this right. record contract? There's that, ar- <laughs> there's that artistic Check thing of... No, yeah. Check in a box. I mean, they signed a... I think they signed a six-album six yeah. Yeah, deal. Yeah, multi-album deal. I, I, 
I think it was legitimately a six album deal, which is unfucking. Well, it's like of. hard to. I mean, when you were there, and it's like they want to sign you, they want to give you this money. It's like it's hard to well, say no, you know. There's like, that artistic thing of you want to you want to give the people what they've wanted, what they want, what they yeah. can't come to see. But as an artist, you want to expand, you want to expand and grow and mm-hmm. do stuff different. And it's a scary kind of. It's like feeling in the dark for a light switch, and they didn't really find the light switch until it's like they didn't find the light switch but they also didn't stub their toe on the couch right you know what I mean? yeah <laughs> and and there's like a, there's about like you said there's about three songs on each album where noel kind of finds and grabs that stardust from the first yeah. few yeah. records well and and it wasn't like the thing is oasis is one of those bands to me that like it wasn't like the songs were bad mm-hmm. right there were just Fewer great ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, was, but it, was, it was. It was like no, it's good, but it isn't great. And it doesn't have band, that universal thing that just grabs yeah, you. And when, when your band, first two albums have no filler, yeah. It, when when you tough. when you go front to back on the first two albums, and for me the third one, like yeah. you just, and then you put out. It's something hard to replicate. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, and and I think that I you know it's it, it wasn't bad though. It just wasn't. They put out like they put out some of the most epic shit ever, and then it's like uh, they just can't. <laughs> I mean, stuff. Uh, just speaking of, um, don't believe the truth. It's uh, stuff like let there be love and um, uh, the importance of being idle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lila, those are good songs. And then when when I heard uh, Shock of the Lightning, dude, I was like, we're back. Well, and that's still, Fuck and that's mid two thousand. We found, we cracked the code again, and that's mid two thousands. That's ten years after the debut, and it's like, fuck, like that's stuck, more than ten. They still got it's it. It's like boy. fifteen years. After oh yeah, yeah. That was oh, yeah, you're right. No, it was two thousand. Yeah, right. so Thirteen years after what's the story? Morning Glory came out. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's like you know, there's just like that that glimmer of like they still got it, boy. They they well, found it, and, and then it kind of imploded. Yeah, but it's just like that glimmer where you're like, okay, like I think it was the fact though, they too, found that they did that record at Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. And, and it was before Abbey Road, I think, was sold. I don't know what it is now, um, but the studio itself was like sold. And yeah. Down and shit. Uh, from what I remember reading, I think I remember hearing about that. They um, were trying to get it like a. They were trying to get like a one of those things where yeah. it's like a historic. But like of, shock, shock of the lightning, like that was to me. That was them going, okay, cool. Hey, uh, it's two thousand eight. That was like. Right at the end of the like third wave emo movement, mm-hmm. you know, which they fucking hated. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it was like, it was almost like Noel was like, okay, I'm going to show you pussies how to play rock and roll again. Yeah. And he writes Shock of the Lightning, and you're like, that's he it. He did it. Cool. Yeah. He did it. He's done it, bro. And it's three chords. Like the whole song yeah. only has like three chords in it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Well, it's just like that, that simple thing, man. Like they wouldn't, they don't get away from that shit. They just keep the shit simple, but it's yeah. like, yeah. And and the weird thing about that album is it it almost becomes a parallel of the Beatles in that it seemed like uh, Abbey Road was for those of you listening that don't know Abbey Road was sort of that album where they all decided Beatles all decided <sighs> we're going to record an album together again like we used to because if you don't know during the White Album they basically had two studios going there was a McCartney studio. And a Lennon studio, where in the McCartney studio you'd get stuff like Obla Dee, Obla Da, and then you would get stuff like Glass Onion in the Lennon studio, and people are running back and forth, and they decided, we're going to do an album together yeah. again. 
and it feels, and that was the last album, that big last hurrah album. We're all going to be in the same room, mm-hmm. singing into the same mic. And it seemed like that was kind of what it was for um, Dig Out Your Soul of we're going to do an album like we used to. We're going to kind of put aside the bull crap and we're going to do an album in the same style that we used to. And, well, and it I turned out like to be the last hurrah. It, yeah, it was well. incredible. And and the mix on it was amazing. The drum tones on it are incredible. Like just big, almost like secret machine sounding drums on some of these songs. Just like big and boomy. Like Was that the one where Ringo's kid played on it? It might have been. Okay. Because they went through more drummers than I go through yeah. <laughs> socks. Yes. You know, uh, uh, for a while, but it was funny because their their first drummer was the one that had such the, you know the signature like triplet fills and stuff, mm-hmm. and and then every drummer after that had to kind of emulate, that. <laughs> which in this strange way makes him one of the most influential drummers. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and, that's and like they the, thought that first drummer couldn't play. They they got rid of him because it was like a. But uh, then everybody had to play his shit. Right. Right. Well, it's you just know? like the it becomes like quintessential with the styles like the Ringo swing. Oh, totally. Yeah. There's like that. I thought the first number was great. That feel of it. Uh, yeah. I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, wait. And Andy. Andy Bell. Yeah. Yep. I have it pulled up. I'm not. I'm not that. <laughs> no, Andy. I'm yeah, not that. Yeah. 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 Know, Andy Bell. So, but no, I thought. <laughs> uh, I thought that 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 last record was just so good. The only thing I didn't like is the "Get Off Your High Horse Lady" tune. I, I actually like that. I love that song. <laughs> it's set. It's like a total rip off of an old blues tune. Oh, is it? Like note for note. Oh, That's so they crazy. went Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> I was gonna they, say that Zeppelin. They like they. I'm. It, it, blues it might influence. be. It might be a Robert Johnson tune. It definitely has it that melody. Be. Yeah, like if you if you were to strip it all back and just do like a lo-fi like slide guitar. Mm-hmm. Get off your high horse, lady. <laughs> it's it is like note for note. That. Yeah. But at the same time, all blues is derivative of it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Too, this is true. Not too worried about it. But you know the 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 Liam song on that. I'm out of time. Yeah. Oh God. And the, so like. Uh, there's a kind of a behind the behind the scenes kind of making of Dig Out Your Soul in, in that he jokes because that song is incredible. Yes. and that's like that was like a, a don't go away. Yeah, of very James Bondy. Yeah, that first. La, 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 la. It's it's very <laughs> could have been a theme. No, it's very uh, John Barry. That sort of that. It's because of the way those musical notes are spaced. Yeah. It's the third da, 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 note. It gives you that yeah. feel. Yeah. It's the third note that he hits, and you're like, yo, that's some James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Intro it, shit. It's, it's very John Barry. So it's, but there's this joke, like, so Liam's talking in, like, the DVD, this, like, making of that record. And they're like, you know, hey, mate, that's a pretty good song. It's like, uh, you know, I think so too. It took seven years to write. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he legitimately took him seven fucking years. It's, to write. it's That's these, crazy. There's these weird moments of sort of begrudging love between the two of them. Yeah. There's a moment that you live for that shit. Yeah. There's a moment in uh, the uh, Familiar to Millions record. They're playing uh, Roll With It. And there's like a guitar solo going into like a turnaround riff before they go back into the verse. And as they're playing, Liam decides not to keep singing and just screams into the microphone <laughs> at Noel. Like, it took you 10 years and you finally fucking got it right. Because he finally got the turnaround right. And it's just, it's one of those things of sort of those, the brothers who 
you know, punching you in the shoulder is a sign of affection. Of yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally what it is. It's and like, it, oh, and you it, fucking did it, boy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's about fucking time. Eh? It's it's a cup of dirt Isn't with it? a spoonful of sugar at the bottom. That's funny. It's it's very, it, it, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very cute. <laughs> uh, real quick, guys, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back in just a second. Okay, guys, we're back. Uh, when we left, we we're talking about the kind of like the dynamic between Noel and Liam, and kind of that kind of endearing, kind of annoying like rivalry they had. But uh, let's let's get more into like that discussion of like uh, maybe shit after Oasis or like the solo stuff. The kind of the kind of avenues they pursued when they weren't doing Oasis shit. What was like the stuff that you guys were into with like as far as like in that regards? Uh, for me, it was really hard because. I, me personally, I don't think they work. One works without the other. I'm with you. Um, High Flying Birds has got some cool shit. High Flying Birds is the better of the. Is that Noel shit? Yeah, Noel Gallagher's. That's why. I mean, songwriter. Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. And then. I'm uh, I'm going home and I'm taking my talent with me. BDI was Liam's band. And And that was, to me, just kind of. Meh. It. Like the voice is there. The like, voice is there. Yeah. It's like a. But it's the content's the not there. Weren't. Right. It's kind of like a shell of. Yeah, this sounds like Oasis, but it doesn't. It doesn't have. Doesn't the, feel like Oasis. Yeah. It's like if Liam tried to write "Shock of the Lightning." Yeah. yeah. And he he got one good one when he did "Songbird," and even then, that one's still. It's not a tour de force of songwriting. Yeah. Um. It's a nice little love song, but um, they kind of. They can't really, they, they need each other. Um, Liam needs Noel to put words in his mouth. <laughs> it's and a Noel, symbiosis. Noel, Noel needs his voice. It's and a Noel symbiosis. needs his voice to bring those, uh, exactly. those sort of, mm-hmm. those melodies and those words um, to kind of, to make those soar. And it, so it's, it's not like a McCartney-Lennon thing where they were great and then, but they were really good together. Um, it's kind of a... One without the other is just, it, it doesn't work. Uh, but I do think that if, if I had to pick, I do think that um, High Flying Birds is the better band. And I think Same. Uh, overall, I think it's considered the better band. But I also think that's because um, Noel, for obvious reasons, has been more prolific and put out more stuff right. than yeah. Liam has. Well, it's well, just I tough because... It's, oh, sorry, go well, ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think it's because Noel has the connection to songwriting. Yeah, He's got true. a personal connection to songwriting because he was songwriting before Oasis ever started. You know, uh, Liam just liked to sing. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's not like Liam was the, the poet laureate of his family or some shit. <laughs> he was sitting in the fucking corner wearing a cardigan sweater. Yeah. You know. Having a bowl cut. Pumping out like you know, Leonard Cohen 1990s cuts and shit. And yeah. He wasn't <laughs> doing that. Like, he wasn't... He he had a good voice and he had the attitude and he had a stage presence that was notable. Yeah, and, the bravado you know, was definitely there with he him. He had it. He had it. And um, Noel, though, was the brains behind the outfit. And he, always, he was. Always was. Pulling the strings, always will be. for so, sure. And so, you know, yeah, Noel was like, well, I'm going to 
take that connection. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's like more. Embra- Sorry, go ahead. I keep uh, interrupting I was just all y'all. Say real quick, you guys do talk about uh, Liam's stage presence, and I will say in regards to that, he is the only man I've ever seen who could make playing a tambourine look like fucking just cool. All, <laughs> fucking cool. I'll put down this tambourine and I'll turn your head around. Yeah. Like he's the, just that sort of, it was this thing of, he could have not saying it only played tambourine <laughs> and it could be like, what do you do in Oasis? He'd be like, I'm the tambourine player. And be no, like, oh, oh my shit, God. That's you. Uh, that, <laughs> that and, and the tambourine. And that also reminded me of the, um, if you're an Oasis fan, you will know. And even if you're not a fan, you probably will know the, uh, trademark Liam stance. Oh yeah, uh, Mike High poking your poking your ass out, poking your ass out, up. arms behind the back, chin chin to the sky, round rim glasses on, and just sort of like like an off kiltered singing technique. Yeah, like you don't care. Yeah, it was the the image was a big was also a big part of them ascending to the levels they did because not only did they have the songs, but when they sang the songs. Liam is singing these very touching, very earnest, sincere lyrics and looking like he, he can care less. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's definitely like there's a lot of parallels. People talk about him and like his presence being reminiscent of like Mick Jagger or something like that. Oh, for sure. Just like that total attitude about Well, that it. was the thing, too, is is his stage presence was not the Beatles. Yeah. His stage presence was, yeah. was of That's something true. else. And, and it really was kind of of him because now... Now you see people, in a way, kind of having that same stage presence as him. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, Mick was a character on stage. Yeah, he was dancing. Definitely. He was very flamboyant. He was very like, you know, animated and everything. He, yeah, he was just as compelling, Fucker's but the complete opposite. Yeah, he at nine hundred yeah. years old. He's still he's going to outlive me, bro. The dude, what you mean? He's doing like the, he's doing <laughs> he's the like chicken walk. Years old. And he's strutting across stage. He just had another kid, I think. Yeah. What? Yeah, I think so. Recently. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And, and Liam, My dad's on the other 90 hand, years old. That's Liam like Gandalf. Move. That's like Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Liam, keep your secrets. <laughs> nice. So anyway, we like danced around like the uh, kind of this topic, you know, jumping from different songs, just like the nature of the conversation. But um, I didn't know if there's like a way that you could kind of single out maybe one of your favorite album or like maybe the album that you think is the strongest or the album that had the most impact on you as far as like that kind of thing. What, what are you guys feeling on that? We'll start with chase on that one. Uh, be here now is definitely my favorite Oasis okay. record. You kind of mentioned that earlier. I think yeah. Casey had some feelings. The thing, the we'll thing get to is that. <laughs> it's it. Well, it's funny because it's my, it's my favorite album, but I hate the mix on it. It's my least favorite mix of an Oasis record. Uh, I, I think that it sonically kind of sounds like shit. <laughs> it, it really does. It's very muddy, and there's They're a lot super of muddy. The drums you can barely hear. And a lot of that, frequencies fighting each other. For oh space. yeah, the yeah. mid the mid range. Uh, yes, the mid range on on the mix on that record is is holding on for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> mid range is like you motherfuckers. <laughs> as far uh, as like, I'm content, sure the mixing engineer yeah. was like probably probably got just all the stems and was like, what? <laughs> I don't. I can't do, I, do this. What I what what did what what is what did you do? What did you do? Get bustle. But um, honestly, I feel like that's the case for the first three albums in general. It's just it's in a it's way at its worst on Be Here Now. But I remember when I first heard What's the Story, it just I thought it there was something got wrong. Worse. Yeah, yeah, I thought it there was something gradually wrong got worse. But that was in this weird way, stylistically, it was them. Yes, and and so in a way, it's like it's what makes it great, but it's also what pisses me off about that record because <laughs> it's like. Cool. Can you take out like 
15 fucking guitar tracks on this song <laughs> so I can actually hear a guitar for Christ's sake. You know, because some of it you're just like, what? And the drums really are so buried. But um, Magic Pie is like one of my all-time favorite tunes. Um, Don't Go Away, I think, is one of their best ballads that was ever written. Um, and to me, that was such a rock and roll record, uh, more so than what's the story. Um, and I feel like that was, that was the, the tip of their early career of, of songwriting. Because after that we have Heathen Chemistry, yeah. uh, and, and the others. And it was like, <laughs> it, I, I feel like it peaked. I feel like songwriting wise, Be Here Now was the last true Oasis record as far as songs are concerned. Um, sonically it just sucked but it was my favorite (laughs) well it's just like one of those things that it's a subjective thing so it's like what is that thing that endears that or makes that stick out to you and that's like a perfect example is that it may not be the most technically proficient or like most beautifully polished thing but the the time that we find this shit and it's like is so impactful you know what i mean well oh, and yeah. to the point where it sticks with you for years and like we're talking about it now yeah even. like so what we were saying you know like shock of the lightning it's like cool this is vintage oasis well to me yeah. shock of the lightning is my big mouth okay from be here now like this is my big mouth yeah just a straight forward just fucking banger of a tune <laughs> and it's just it it's just rock and roll it was rock and roll and yeah. it was awesome there was right? no gimmick yeah there was no gimmick it was just like Yo, here's some big ass guitars. Here's some fucking straightforward. Here's feedback. Like all, you know, all the bo- boxes got checked. You know, uh, and and that's one of the reasons I love that record so much. Yeah, I just hate the mix on it. <laughs> <laughs> Was that kind of your take on that? Is that come why you had qualms with? I know when he mentioned that, you kind of like were like, Ugh. well, no, I mean, be here now is not a is not a bad record yeah, at yeah. all. Um, it my favorite is uh, is what's the story morning glory i just that and it's sort of it's a nostalgia thing it's you know it like what chase would be here now it's just that totally that record has a has a soft spot beyond its artistic merit like it it could be a bad record and and there's things that i've liked artistically that were that don't hold up but still have special places in my heart just because of the time when I found them and what they represent to me now. And, um, yeah, my, my, just my big qualm with be here now is just, it's, it's so it, it's bloated. It totally is. Um, and it it has, (laughs) yeah, it has its charm. That's why I like it. It has its charm (laughs) in that big knoll rock and roll excess thing. Cause the first album is, is essentially two brothers who want to get out of their town. Yeah. And who are dreaming of rock and roll success. Definitely maybe is just such a good fucking yeah. debut. Supersonic that song? Oh, what's the story is them attaining that success. Yeah. That was them, a stamp. It's like the progression the, of it. That's the victory lap. Be here now is the the world is at our fingertips. We can do whatever we want because we made af- it because we, we can afford the cocaine. We're the yeah. biggest act, man. We, yeah, it's we're it's, bigger than Jesus. That was their bigger of, than Jesus moment. Yeah. It's sort of their houses of the holy or not uh, physical graffiti type thing of just this big, huge. We have all the um, 
we have everything at our disposal, so nothing will be left uh, to think, well, what if we did that on this record? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like their physical balls graffiti, the walls, man. their white album, they're just this, this thing that shows uh, rock and rollers at their height of excess and bloatedness for better or for worse. I think that's a, the white album is a great parallel because so many people are like, oh, the best Beatles records, white album. No. See, like my favorite, <laughs> my favorite is Be Here Now. Do I think that's the best Oasis record? No, I don't. Kind of like Hark, you know, going going back to the the Radiohead thing. Like Kid mm-hmm. A is the my Kid favorite. A, yeah, Do I think versus Kid A is their favorite is is their best record. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. And dare I say, In Rainbows is. But <laughs> but it's to you, it, to you. Like uh, it sticks uh, out for one way. To, to, for, I think I think for Radiohead, for most musical experts, In Rainbows, you just can't touch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like for the <laughs> okay, on the, the Oasis <laughs> side, like on the Oasis side, on the Oasis side, um, Be Here Now is like the White Album. I think it's a fucking great way to say it. It's, you know, it's not, that was not the, the White Album, I'm sorry, everyone, that that it might be just rabid Beatles fans, but the White Album and Sgt. Pepper's was, were not the best records. Um, they just weren't. The answer Hot take? is Revolver. That is a great Bingo, fucking album. Bingo, bongo. True. And second place for me is Rubber Soul. And those were back-to-back and also in the same era. So, but Revolver is the Revolver best was the first CD I ever bought with my own money. It was the first uh, vinyl I ever bought. Oh, shit. That and Queens of the Stone Age is like clockwork. <laughs> shout out to Bob. Queens. Jeez, big shout out that's to Queens. A big, that's a big pull for him. He's a huge Queens fan. Yep. As you know, yeah. As yeah. we've seen. You know, you know, Josh Homme <laughs> is a huge J.D. McPherson fan. Oh, really? Huge. Oh, yeah, he is. He, he played their uh, Halloween show at the Western Forum a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Yeah. So in, you know, just kind of the conversation, we've talked about bands that maybe have been influenced by Oasis or maybe came out around the same time as Oasis, but kind of pursuing that just like sonically or maybe, you know, songwriting wise, uh, uh, con like a uh, way structures, like the song structures, things like that. Um, what's another band that you would recommend or maybe a couple bands that like, you know, obviously we've seen some parallels with like some shit that you guys are both into. Like you've met cases mentioned something case chase, but like what? And vice versa. Like mm-hmm. you guys are obviously like kind of into the same shit, but you know, if you had to kind of nail down like a couple bands, maybe that people should check out if they're super into Oasis or like fuck with like a couple of albums, what's another band do you think? Like, you know, just, just from like that standpoint of like, well, if you like this, then check this out type of thing. Doves. Doves. You said doves. For sure. I mean, keeping on that like Brit Rock thing, Doves, Elbow. I'm a huge Elbow fan. I'm a huge Doves fan too, but um, definitely those two. Um, Is there any like a, what's like the, uh, what makes that stick out to you like above like any other bands? Is it something that um, reminds you like the structure of the songs or lyrical content? I think like- later in Oasis, uh, career when they kind of started exploring more chords and different arrangements. <laughs> so it's just the three chord jams. Yeah. Uh, when Noel learned to be minor. <laughs> right. Um, that was like, uh, so oh, what record is it? So don't believe the truth to me had a doves vibe to it because it, so there was kind of almost more musicality to it. Just you know, sonically, is sonically, you of it, reminiscent a of it. More acoustic guitar, exploring, exploring different 
ways to approach a song, not just a straight rock thing. <laughs> gotcha. Um, you, from Doves, you could do like Elbow, Seldom Seen Kid, that record um, from Elbow uh, is really, really phenomenal. I mean, all of Elbow's albums are, but that record specifically is, it was kind of like Elbow's magnum opus kind of thing. Um, I mean, definitely Ryan Adams, I would say. Yeah. Uh, actually, l- go listen to Ryan Adams' Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. If you never listen to that record, that is basically, Ryan, in my opinion, Ryan Adams' take on an Oasis album. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's fucking awesome, and it's straight guitar rock. It's his, it's his take on rock and roll. Yeah. Um, just so happens to sound a lot like Oasis, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Hence why it's called Rock I was and say, Roll. Right. <laughs> What about you, Casey? Like, what's kind of your take on that as far as, like, you know, kind of like we were talking about sonically, content-wise, what's something that you think, like, if you if you fuck with Oasis, like, check this check this stuff out? I mean, I would say, I would say, yeah, check out Ryan Adams. Um, some of his stuff, I, I would say check out Ryan Adams regardless. Mm-hmm. Just in general. Um, yeah, just in general. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Aside from rock and roll, uh, check out Heartbreaker, check out Gold, check out Cold Roses. Did he um, do the Taylor Swift album? Yes, he did, cover a, album. <laughs> he did a cover album of Taylor Swift's 1989. Fucking crazy, dude. Taylor Swift's 1989. Uh, really cool cover of Wildest Dreams. Um, uh, check out... Uh, Love is Hell, too. Yes, Love is Hell. Uh, check out um, Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. I think it's called 3-4 is the album. It's a double album of just hardcore sort of uh, heavy guitar rock stuff great great album um, in 1984 his his right yeah. his punk record yeah um also what was the other one um yeah, they're, they're, check out Ryan Adams. Dude, yeah, I was like, dude he was going down the Ryan yeah, Adams dude catalog. Yeah, 20 songs every day. Um <laughs> And then, like I said, uh, if you want kind of an Oasis vibe, you know, I'm sure most people listening have heard of Kings of Leon. Uh, there's some, you know, there's some Oasis stuff there. Um, yeah, Coldplay, there's a bit of that. They kind of, uh, Cold, you could do a whole podcast on Coldplay. That's sort of an identity, identity crisis in a band. Um <laughs> I mean, it, it is. After those, Fair enough. After those Fair first enough. few EPs and first two full lengths. Post, post X and Y, uh, that, that's a whole podcast in itself. But uh, stuff like Fix You and um, stuff like that, those big arena rock songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Pete, yeah. Ooh, Pete Yorn. Oh, mm-hmm. shout out to Pete Yorn. Check out Pete Yorn. I haven't thought about him in a long time. And, uh, and like we said before, uh, Jet's 2003 album, Get Born, mm-hmm. uh, songs like Timothy, Radio Song, um, Move On, Get What You Need, um, sort of country-influenced British guitar rock. Um, yeah, that, that, and that's just a great album in and of itself. So, yeah. Nah, man, it's like it's cool to hear like the different the different shit that's like influenced the shit that we're into or like where you can hear something and be like, man, this sounds just like Mm -hmm. Oasis. Like that's Mm -hmm. crazy. And it just shows like the influence of them spanning generations. Oh, 
Definitely. I mean, yeah. that you, you know, the best part about writing timeless music is the timeless aspect of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Def. I mean, yeah. That's why you and still it, have. That's why you still have teenagers these days that get into Zeppelin, they get into the Stones, and they get into that thing. You know. They last into- last year, I went and saw Paul McCartney. I was lucky enough to see Paul McCartney at the Chesapeake, and one of the coolest things about being at that show was there were people in their 70s sitting next to people in their 40s sitting next to people in their mid-teens. Yeah. Um, that Kanye made him famous, man. And, and, and on top of that... <laughs> Thanks, for that generation. Thanks, yay. You, you really don't understand how, how, how many good songs Paul McCartney has written until you hear them one after the other because it almost seems like a like a Branson tribute to the greatest rock <laughs> but songs. But it, it's of, him, but of, it's the guy. But, but it all comes back to one person, and it's kind That's of insane. nuts that, that much talent that in one guy. That's how I felt when come I saw from one guy. Tom Petty here. Yes. Which is like, Rest yeah. in peace. Yes. Dude, shout yes. out Tom Petty. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, that's, a, that's the beauty of, like, uh, like she said, writing timeless music, is there is a kid right now who is probably, you know, there's probably a kid right now who's going, oh my God, uh, you know, Helter Skelter's a kick-ass little proto-punk song yeah, written in the late 60s or, or somebody after uh, the midterms last night uh, found Revolution, you know, by f- seeing like a Spotify playlist or something. Or born in the USA. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it constantly sort of, the best stuff constantly, you know, it's kind of like a, a phoenix or a butterfly. It just constantly like rebirths itself. You know, people like the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or Hendrix or, or Springsteen. There's always just this, these new people who are coming of age and finding them. And you kind of envy these people their first time of lift, listening to are you experienced or yeah. darkness on the edge of town where like, Oh, that's the first time you ever heard that yeah. solo. To- You're like, shit. I remember the first time I heard that. It's like, it becomes yeah. like a communal thing. You're like, yeah, Fuck, dude. Yeah. And you're kind of envious. There was a guy the other day on some YouTube channel was doing some sort of like, it's a, an album review YouTube channel. And he listened to songs for the deaf for the first time. And seeing his face when certain riffs kick in or certain drum fills. Like the first reaction. Yeah, yeah. I just go, oh, I remember what that was like. Um, my, it was like, uh, do you, feel, my, you wish you could go back and like have that yeah, feeling again yeah. of like the first it, time it, of hearing a, something. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. My, first, my first concert ever to attend um, was the Rolling Stones at Owen Stadium when I was like 11. And I remember like walking away just being like, God, I've heard so many of those songs. Mm-hmm. I'm 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. I'm, I've heard so many of those tunes. Yeah. And I just saw this, and Cheryl Crow opened. Oh, the, shit. The bridges, Shout out to Cheryl bridges, Crow, the, baby. Dude, bridges oh, British Babylon. Babylon tour. Okay. Tour, yeah. I, uh, I remember the same first thing. First time I saw somebody on uh, just completely tripping balls being escorted out. <laughs> yes. This woman is like, ah, just <laughs> back and forth. Like, so Crow, she, wasn't, she wasn't looking at anything, but she was <laughs> trying to wave her face back and forth, just tripping out of her mind. Trying to catch those glory days from the Some Con- Girls dude, Tour. Con- concert hadn't even started. Cheryl hadn't even hit a note. God damn Russ it. was getting escorted out. Like, ma'am. Pace I, yourself, lady. Dude, I think she might have just had some, some bad acid, I guess. It, it, it was like mom. the first time I heard, I, I bought the uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Greatest Hits CD. 
And uh, back in the day, we had an above-ground pool at my dad's house. And I'm, we had like the outdoor speakers and all that stuff. And I put on that CD and I'm laying in the pool and every song after another, I'm going, oh my God, I know, I know this. this song. Yeah. This song is like ingrained, but I didn't know who, who did, did it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've so it's just this, yeah. uh, I mean, most most people, you know that CD, that is a murderer's row <laughs> of <laughs> Banger of after songs. banger after banger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like and, Van Morrison's greatest hits. You're yeah. just like, what the shit? Yeah. You're like, damn, he wrote that shit. And so and I've it, had that feeling. You're like, fuck, dude. It's one of these great feelings of just like, oh, I've stumbled into a gold mine and I haven't, that I haven't the even fucking consumed honeypot, yet. dude. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's like, you start like rubbing your hands together. And it's like, <laughs> oh, Birdman hands. It's time. Oh, yeah. Get your Birdman hands on. Yeah. Nah, man, that's definitely it, babe. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come chat about like Oasis, man. Uh, it's been Thanks really fun. Having, yeah, it's been really dope. I love doing these episodes where we like really dissect and get into like what makes us love these bands and what makes them such a big influence on our lives. So and it's then like, see how many different segues. I know it's yes. crazy, yes. man. Well, it's just like spurs so many different conversations that you're like, "Fuck, dude!" Like I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> but real quick, why don't you tell guys where uh, tell people where they can follow you, like on social media and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, the Awesome Robot and on Instagram at Casey McElroy twenty five. Uh, Twitter and Instagram just uh, at Chase Kirby uh, K E R B Y. Got to throw that out there. Uh, Facebook is get it right, get it tight, spell it right. K E R B Y. So at Chase Kirby, uh, and then Facebook is uh, Facebook dot com slash Chase Kirby Music uh, and Chase Kirby dot com. Yeah, and look out for him on the art moves. Art moves and working on two albums right now. Goddamn. Always working, Plus bro. the new Bo Jennings and the Tigers record that we're working on. Almost nice. Done. Um, cool. And then plus my side project, X-Wives. Cool, so. man. And they could keep up with all that on ChaseKirby.com and everything like that? Mm -hmm. Mostly through social media because I'm through shit social. at updating my website. Well, that's the way she goes. <laughs> I remember those days. For sure. Well, as always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T U N E S slash T O O N S. We're on Woo. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. So, thanks again, fellas. Thank you, sir. Thanks. I think, I don't know, it's just like the the polarity of them, you know what I mean? You, you kind of have like, I don't know if it's necessarily people something people think about, but I always just think, just in my mind from like the interactions I've seen and just like from the outside looking in, I always thought Liam was just like a douchebag, which Noel is like a likable douchebag, you know what I mean? Like he does it in a way and like he embraces like we talked a little bit about that Ryan Adams arrangement of Wonderwall. Mm -hmm. Noel like fucks with that arrangement. Like yeah. He likes that arrangement. He uh, he's day, played he, it like yeah. yeah. And so it's really cool and like what a testament that that has to be like Ryan Adams too. Like he's probably like dude this is dope. Like the guy that wrote the song plays my version. It was either the and I'm kicking myself now but it was either 
the Don't Believe the Truth tour or the Dig Out Your Soul tour. They played shows together. They played a tour with, it was a double headliner, was, Ryan Adams. I think it was Don't Believe the Truth because I had a friend that was going to go see that show in like Seattle. Oh, that would have been dope. And, and apparently like. Bitched his, out. His wife lost the, the tickets or something. Yeah, wow. a Ryan Adams Oasis co-headlining tour. That's amazing. Ryan Adams is a, is a self-proclaimed Oasis fan. Yeah. Yeah. The, which what I love too is there's like a live thing where he played Wonderwall and someone who's like, "Is that your song or something like that?" And oh he's, my god, he's just bewildered. And he goes, "No, no, no, it's not." They're like, "It's a really good song." He's like, "Yeah, no shit." Like, <laughs> Play well, like, wish. He's like, "I fucking wish I wrote yeah, that song." Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I, I uh, there was like a Alex Groot or Goot. I can't remember the name of this guy, but he did a whole cover album, and the name of the album was uh, "Songs I Wish I Wrote." And so it's like def- definitely like that, like one of those things. It, it's like the phenomenon of Kanye doing the song with Paul McCartney and people saying, oh, my God, Kanye is going to make this Paul McCartney guy famous. Yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? You know, That's you Paul McCartney, all, bro. All that did was made me lose fucking faith <laughs> <laughs> in humanity. I'm like, oh, cool. When's that asteroid going to kill us? Yeah. We deserve that shit now. But that's dope. Like, that has to be so cool for Ryan Adams like, to be like, dude, he does my version of his song. That, that's insane. Yeah, it's for, for it to be such an iconic song too. It's this kind of mutual admiration society. Well, and like they're both like prolific songwriters, so it's like one oh, of those yeah, things yeah. like they have probably had that deeper. Ryan connection. Adams has been known to play whole shows of songs he wrote that afternoon. Oh, that's yeah. insane. There's, that's a, there's fucking actually crazy to me. There's a a rumor, and it's like this uh, this holy grail of uh, sort of Ryan Adams uh, bootlegs because he's done whole albums that he's recorded and then shelved. Um, if you like Ryan Adams, please check out the 48 hours album. It's a great album. Uh, but there is a rumor that he did a whole cover album of the strokes, uh, is the sit. Oh shit. Are you serious? I've never heard that. Um, that's amazing. It's a, it's a rumor. I think it's, I think it might've been, it just gets debunked every time. Like the the progression of this episode, I'm like, fuck, I've got like eight more episodes I've got to do now. Cause like bringing up Ryan Adams, bringing up the strokes, bringing up like blur, like all these different bands. Please call me for the Ryan Adams. The Ryan Adams and the Dave Matthews. I'd get down. I'd get down on that. Dude, fucking Mark Scott, like would nut about that episode. Oh yeah. Me and me and Mark have talked a lot at length about Ryan and whiskey town for sure. Yeah. That's cool, man. I love it. But that, yeah, I just, I had to mention that because, like, that has to be such a cool thing for him to be like, mm-hmm. I did a cover of the song and the band that I covered did it. Like, that's insane. And preferred my That's dope. Yeah. Well, and then that goes back to the thing of, like, the playing the song every night for 10 it's years. Like, like, when they found a new arrangement, he was probably like, thank fucking God it I play a different it's, version. It's not the same musical dynamic, um, obviously, yeah. but, but uh, you know, Johnny Cash doing Nine Inch Nails, and now Nine Inch Nails will not play the other version of Hurt. They only play Johnny right. Cash's version. Oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, like, yeah, they've on record have been like, "This is not our song. This is wow. his song," and That's they dope. don't play their version of it anymore. That had to be one that was, but like also it's an even bigger. Th- yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, that had to be like another like meteoric Johnny, thing that was like, "Holy shit, Johnny, Johnny Cash, Cash is doing our song." Dude, Johnny Cash could have recorded one of my songs while he was taking a shit, and I'd be like, <laughs> "Cool, that's that's the new version." He's saying it with his ass yeah. cheeks. You'd be like, "Thank like, you, sir." He could have farted one of my new so- like one of my <laughs> songs, and I would have been like. Well, I guess I gotta like eat beans before shows because we gotta play it his way. <laughs> uh, the the Nine Inch Nails version of Hurt it, compared to the Cash version, like the the Nine Inch Nails version is a it's kind of a tortured. Well, it's not kind of it is a, a tortured song, but the Johnny Cash version, everything he sings 
in that song, you believe because you know he has lived that been through some shit. Well, and he was tortured. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah, like it's it's that thing where you hear you hear covers. Some every you know that every every once in a while somebody does a cover, and the cover out does the original. Yeah. Perfect example. Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah. Oh yeah, the song, that's true. The song wasn't even Leonard that, Cohen, right? Yeah, wrote that originally. The song wasn't even that big. It wasn't one of like Suzanne was one of Cohen's like big hits, you know, as far as like Cohen goes. But yeah, yeah, Hallelujah comes out and it's just like, my good God, or even Buckley's version of Lilac Wine, like <laughs> you know, Nina Simone. Well, yeah, and it's holy shit, it's dope because like when you see because it's such a different take on the same song. Yeah, and yeah. so like you hear like. I'm always gushing about Kings of Leon and I know it gets annoying, but <laughs> they did Robin's dancing on my own. And that's like a EDM, like high yeah. tempo, like it's a song. Euro dance. And they did like this stripped down, like slow, like super slow version of it. And they only played it. They did a thing on a tour where they were doing a, a thing called song for the city. And they mm-hmm. would play a song, one of their songs or like one of their versions of songs. And they would only play it in the city that they were in that day, like okay. for that tour. Mm-hmm. And so every city got a different song. That's pretty dope. And uh, they did Dancing on My Own for one of them. And it's just like this super stripped down, like slow version. It's like, this is fucking dope. But now when I think of that song, I think of like their slowed down version because so many people have done like covers that are like more of like the stripped down, like, Mm -hmm. like I just love that take, like the creativity of it that comes in. It's like, it's something that's already been established, but someone can come in and like have their own take on it and be like, make it essentially a completely different song. That's what I always loved about playing covers is trying to crack that code and reverse engineer it to do something. We had a, we would play a cover of Tom Petty's damaged by love, which is a kind of a little known song on his last solo album, Mm -hmm. uh, highway companion. And we would mix it up a little bit. Um, but it was always fun because people would go, who Is does that, that? Do I know that? Yeah. And, and you'd go, that's a Tom Petty song. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. And so it's always just a fun thing as an artist to sort of reverse engineer yeah. a tune Absolutely. And, and make it your own. It's, it's, well, it's like an Easter egg thing, too, where you're like, yeah. let's see how many people notice that. I've been doing that with uh, Fleetwood Mac Dreams. Mm-hmm. So half of my set, well, the majority of, of my sets now, I'm playing a, a classical, like a nylon string guitar, but it's in dad Fucking gad. Ra- damn. Tuning. Okay. It's in a dad gad tuning. Mm-hmm. And so I was inspired by like Jose Gonzalez mm-hmm. and how he did like shout out to Jose Gonzalez, dude, man. Huge shout out to Jose Gonzalez. Did you, so, were you here? Did you come to his show here? When he was in OKC? Oh yeah. It was fucking amazing. Oh, it was just crazy. One of the top five for me. <laughs> um, but you know, he did, he got famous on, um, well, he, his success, he was already big in Europe, but his success really took off. When he did uh, a cover of the knife, um, the what is it? Heartbeats. Um, one night to speed up truth. One night da, 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 that tune, and that was a cover. But one of his earlier covers he did was a Kylie Minogue song. What? And it was the "Put Your Hand on Your Heart." Uh, Put your hand on your heart and tell me that we're over. Anyways, but like you listen to his version, and it's like you believe it. Yeah. Whereas Kylie Minogue's version it's like more poppy. was this big 80s yeah. hit. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a big pop song, and there's like all this overproduction on it. 
Whereas his was just him and a guitar, and you're like, oh shit. There's something about yeah. like them taking it and make it their, making it their own and like making it sound like authentic. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah. this Dude. is crazy that this was a pop song, but now that you're doing it and more of like this Greg stripped Laswell down. Greg like, Laswell did the same thing. Yeah. L.A. singer-songwriter did. He did a Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and it was just him and a piano. And I swear to God, you want to cry at the end of it. Because <laughs> you're just sitting there thinking like, like, oh shit, this is a song about youthful denial. Yeah. The... And, it opens up these emotional doors of what, of, of like, well, maybe they wrote it in this fun-loving way, but there's a whole other, other way story to, to soak this. Here's song the rest in. of the story. You remember that old radio show? <laughs> oh, oh, the uh, the late great uh, Jimmy LaFave uh, did that a lot for um, old uh, old Bob Dylan tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a a fantastic cover. Uh, the original song I like, even though it's been kind of uh, watered down by overplaying, but uh, Bruce Springsteen's Secret Garden. Dude, I love that song. One of my top favorite boss songs. He <laughs> he does. So lyrically, it's incredible. Yes. It yes. is incredible. And basically, Lefebvre does it just him and an acoustic guitar. So you strip out sort of the the synthy keyboard uh, bit that's running underneath it that kind of makes it yeah that can sort of make it sound a little saccharine and it becomes this really sort of echoey you know one in the morning song of of loss and angst and pining for somebody who you will never get right and it, and it beca- and also Lefebvre's sort of uh, I don't howling delivery um it's it's awesome so yeah check please to, check I out do, all those songs but it's just, i used to cover it's I just the progression yeah oh really it's in the key of c so yeah. it's really easy so you can sit there and do that and i used to cover it in the way that i would try to finger pick the guitar and emulate that synth melody the because mm-hmm. yeah. it's doing the same thing over and over again it's just changing the root notes and the chords underneath yeah isn't it just like a cf thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh it's like cf a minor yeah thing and so what i would do is i would i would just kick on like a really it would just be me and my acoustic but i'd put a delay mm-hmm. and then a really long reverb yes <laughs> and then finger pick it and it gave it this kind of weird ambient mm-hmm. vibe it's kind Real of like spacey. now with that with that dreams cover that i do mm-hmm. so the classical guitar is going through all these pedals yeah and so it's always like a, a there's a, a keely pedal that's that's a hook reverb so i use a, a spring and tremolo setting okay um Shout out Keeley Pedals, Edmond, Oklahoma. I know, say, oh, we're yeah. going to peek behind the curtain here real quick with Chase yeah. Kirby. So it goes it goes through that. Um, I have it going through uh, a walrus pedal, also Oklahoma. Yes. Um, and and so it's like a, the, the walrus, like the giant reverb and, and then that. Um, and then also the walrus uh, Julia chorus. Oh, okay. The vibrato yeah. chorus thing. Mm-hmm. And so the classical guitar, so it hits the chorus first and then goes through the reverbs. And okay. so it's 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 kind of it smoothens out the chorus vibe yeah. on it, but but it gives it this kind of the tremolo gives it kind of emotion in it. Mm-hmm. But when you're finger picking a a classical guitar going through these, and then all of a sudden you start singing the lyrics. At first, people are kind of like, "I know this. This sounds familiar." Yeah. And then as soon yeah. as you hit the you know thunder only happens when it's raining the chorus, yeah. people are like. I know that shit. Word. Yeah, yeah, you're like, and what? And they love it. And and it's it's they funny start vibing. We we played this private um a fundraising gig on on uh, this past Saturday. And 
you know, we were just the background band. Right. right? No one, I mean, we, I had played a 30 minute set solo with no applause and then <laughs> the band. Isn't that a fun little sort of well, test of your. Love it. Self-confidence. Uh, yeah, um, well, I'm right. just glad that I have a beautiful girlfriend that loves me and doesn't yeah. get rid of me. I'm like, I can at least can go you home. Tell me I'm great. I can go yeah. home and it's like, you still love me, right? <laughs> Thank God. Um, I, I've talked to Harold about this, of you, you're ingrained at a young age to where there's sort of a call and response of when you're finished with a song, there's that applause. And when you don't get it, it's it's this weird it's sort of... It's strange. Yeah. It's crunchy. It's you're strange. Like, but when we play Dreams, all of a sudden, the yeah. place applauded. That, and I, I, I jokingly yeah, turned to the band we were on up. stage and I was like, I guess all we got to do is play one of the most popular, well-written songs in human history and yeah. I love you. That that's kind of the the hidden trick to bar banding is basically, or when you're playing an event where you're just there for background music, is to play something that people know, yeah, and play enough of the melody that they will recognize it, but play it in a different way to where it's you like get their thing. attention uh-huh. exactly. And, and it's God forbid you play originals. Oh God, yes. <laughs> we used to play. We. This is getting into like musician hour, but we, we used to play a bar up in Guthrie and in I love this days. bar and I love Guthrie. But for some reason at, at this place, they would not applaud. They would be listening. They would be actively listening. They would come up to you after the show and be like, you guys are really good. But after a song, like they really, would sit we there. Tell. Yeah. After the, after a song, they would sit there and look at you. And so we called it, <laughs> I, I started calling it the Guthrie glare. Uh, because glare. Because you would get done, and you know you killed oh, I it. Saw the, I saw that episode of Walking Dead. <laughs> you, kn- you knew you killed it. You knew you played it awesome. And so you get done with the song. You hit those like that last measure. Just... Just like, crickets. crickets. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Like, I know I did good at this. You know what? how I, I used to play Picasso's all the time when they still had music there? Uh-huh. And, and that was how that was. I mean, the restaurant gig. You know, I'd play their constantly uh and applause was always just kind of this just you learn not to to expect it yeah right but then when you get it it's nice well what i used to do is (laughs) there were a few shows where i was like this is bullshit man like there's (laughs) 35 people in this fucking restaurant not a single person can applaud not a single one you know so i used to i'd finish a song i'd turn around and I'd be in the corner so no one could see me and I'd just be like <laughs> start the clap dude and then yeah, it would fucking do. work yeah. you it gotta worked. do no one Every wants time. to be that first people, one in that setting they don't want to be the first person they don't want to be the first people don't so want to be looked it. at they wouldn't know that it was me and I would do it and it worked and it That's was amazing. funny as shit people there was don't want to be looked at you gotta at start like, your own ovation dude there was another time what a fucking mark my mark asterisk mark asterisk and trick ass marks skips scaps and scallywags there was a time that my roommate came uh, my roommate at the time came and no one, there were, there were honestly maybe about 10 people in that whole restaurant. And mm-hmm. I, it was a Thursday night gig and I was just like, does anybody do anything fun this weekend? I mean, I had already played eight straight songs with zero applause in between, you know? And so the awkward moment of, well, fuck it. I mean, I can, you can do and say, the thing yeah. is there's a freedom in it because yes. you can do and say whatever the hell you want. So I'm yes. sitting there and I go, anybody do anything fun this weekend? And my roommate who came to came out to sport, he's looking around and he's like, the fuck, none of these people are. And he's like, and the, the thing is that the mess up part is they're looking at me. I ask yeah. the question and they look at you. And then I'm like, 
They're engaged with or you. They're not going to say anything. They don't give a shit. And yeah. so I was like, and then I, so I said, anybody do anything fun this weekend? They looked at me. And then after that, every question I asked, they ignored. And I was like, what about just doing anything fun tonight after dinner? Nobody said anything. And I was like, I'm thinking about stabbing one of you guys in the parking lot after this set. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. No one, it doesn't phase anyone. Oh and my God. roommate at the time is crying laughing because <laughs> he heard me. And it's like, you can, I mean, legitimately, you could say, say whatever, whatever you want. Whatever yeah. you want to yeah, be like, hey, I drank baby's blood this morning when I woke <laughs> up. That takes me back because we, in our day, we would clear out a fucking Louis. Like some of our first gigs where we knew the manager of a Louis in Edmond and they would, we would set up in the corner and play as loud as we fucking could in the middle of a restaurant in the corner. <laughs> Bye. And we'd start <laughs> at 10 and by 1030, that place was empty. Babe, let's go somewhere else. Fucking yeah. loud, man. I can't I'm hear over to, this Americana. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying <laughs> I love to eat music, but I don't tonight. I'm trying to eat my jalapeno mac and cheese. <laughs> and fried these, pickles. I can't eat them. And these these youngsters are singing about boys from Oklahoma and youngsters. rolling their joints all wrong. I'm gone. I'm trying I'm, to clog my arteries in peace, yeah. y'all. I'm trying to get done with this date with my wife so I can go see my mistress. And all these people. <laughs> My babysitter just called. It, it's Ed. <laughs> Parents are watching the kids, it is but Ed, the babysitter yeah. called. You are an Edmund kid. That is true. This is true. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, Oasis. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about Oasis. 